looking for answers, praying for healing, and calling for action. Looking for answers, praying for healing, and calling for action. Looking for answers, George Floyd, praying for healing, and calling for Black action. Many African Americans. Our doors are open to everyone, especially young African Americans. In an eight-minute and forty-six-second moment of silence. Looking for answers, praying for healing, and calling for action. Twelve million dollars, but it isn't enough. Twenty-five million, thirty-two million. We have donated. We must dismantle white supremacy. Silence is not an option. All of us at Ben and Jerry's are outraged by the murder of another black person by Minneapolis police officers last week, and the continued violent response by police against protesters. We have to speak out. We have to stand together with the victims of murder, marginalization, and repression because of their skin color, and with those who seek justice through protests across our country. We have to say his name, George Floyd. George Floyd was a son, a brother, a father, and a friend. The police officer who put his knee on George Floyd's neck and the police officers who stood by and watched didn't just murder George Floyd. They stole him. They stole him from his family and his friends, his church and his community, and from his own future. The murder of George Floyd was the result of inhumane police brutality that is perpetuated by a culture of white supremacy. Dear what McDonald's USA, In the past, as a company, apple. we tended to it stay silent on issues that don't directly involve our business. But since stepping into this role, I have assured you that I would communicate openly and transparently because I believe that it is critical to address issues that are affecting us all. Quite simply, I am appalled by recent events in Louisville, Georgia, New York, and Minneapolis. And as I personally reflect upon them, along with my wife and children at our dinner table, I feel shaken, and I know many of you do too. I share your concerns, sadness, and anger. I will not speak to, nor will I claim to fully understand, how events like these affect African Americans and people of color. However, I see and recognize the impact these events have at an individual and collective level. And when any member of our McFamily hurts, we all hurt. Laura and I are anguished by the brutal suffocation of George Floyd and disturbed by the injustice and fear that suffocate our country. Yet we have resisted the urge to speak out because this is not the time for us to lecture. This is a time for us to listen. It is time for America to examine our tragic failures. And as we do, we will also see some of our redeeming strengths. It remains a shocking failure that many African Americans, especially young African American men, are harassed and threatened in their own country. It is a strength when protesters, protected by responsible law enforcement, march for a better future. This tragedy, in a long series of similar tragedies, raises a long overdue question. How do we end systemic racism in our society? The only way to see ourselves in a true light is to listen to the voices of so many who are hurting and grieving. Those who set out to silence those voices do not understand the meaning of America or how it becomes a better place. America's greatest challenge has long been to unite people of very different backgrounds into a single nation of justice and opportunity. 
the doctrine and habits of racial superiority, which once nearly split our country, still threaten our union. The answers to American problems are found by living up to American ideals. The fundamental truth that all human beings are created equal and endowed by God with certain rights. Black and brown people. We have often underestimated how radical that quest really is and how our cherished principles challenge systems of intended or assumed injustice. The heroes of America, from Frederick Douglass to Harriet Tubman, to Abraham Lincoln to Martin Luther King Jr., are heroes of unity. Their calling has never been for the faint-hearted. They often reveal the nation's disturbing bigotry and exploitation, stains on our character sometimes difficult for the American majority to examine. We can only see the reality of America's need by seeing it through the eyes of the threatened, oppressed, and and disenfranchised. That is exactly where we now stand. I realize that nothing about this week feels like business as usual, and it shouldn't. Our black community is hurting, and many of us are searching for ways to stand up for what we believe and reach out to people we love to show solidarity. Yesterday, I met with a group of our black leaders to talk about where we go from here and how we contribute as Google. We discussed many ideas and we're working through where to put our energy and resources in the weeks and months ahead. In the meantime, the rule of law wanted to provide space for us to come together as a community. Today, George Floyd honor the moment for black lives lost in an 8 minute and 46 second moment of silence. Long journey towards justice and a more perfect will play an important role in helping us get through this together. We love our neighbors as ourselves when we treat them as equals, in both protection and compassion. There's a better way. The way of empathy. The length of the moment of silence represents the amount of time George Floyd suffered before he was killed. It's meant to serve as a visceral reminder of the injustice Americans will choose the better way. We acknowledge that racism and violence may look different in different parts of the world, so please use this as a moment to reflect on those who have been lost in your own community or community at a time that works for you. That's how these statements ring in my ears even those that promise clear action. Because especially for large corporations or prominent leaders, making a statement is easy to research, proofread, and polish. It models behavior, if it stops there, that is popular and easy to emulate. And however powerful, blunt, and immediate it will always be, money is a hollow medium for speech and a lifeless parchment for the feelings of the living. While you can absolutely fund meaningful movements and important work, you can never buy the love required to see another human being as your equal. Be wary of those who claim to sell such a product. Although the right information, morality, and goals play a key part, real and substantial change comes from difficult, sustained effort and work. I know that I have a lot to learn about what that work entails, and I look forward to the months and years ahead of trading my ignorance for whatever discomfort and improvements I can find and incorporate. That will involve conversations with people, texts, and my pre-existing beliefs and biases. But statements are not conversation. From where I stand, they're either a product of, or an outsourcing, of uncomfortable and sincere work. Just as we've outsourced our children to childcare, our heartfelt sentiments to greeting cards, and as we've outsourced knowing one another to mutual voyeurism on social media. 
None of these things are inherently destructive or culturally rare or beyond my understanding or personal behavior. But in this country, where businesses emerge to distract, entertain, and inform, many of us make the move to put our humanity somewhere over there, out of sight, so we can focus on other things. How a fish is meant to swim without water is beyond me. But you can't outsource this. No one's coming nor able to give you back the kindness you haven't practiced or the emotions you've laid off because you didn't see their utility in your bottom line. You shouldn't feel good about simply knowing the truth. You should feel responsibility to honor, challenge, and spread what you've learned. I see how social media can play a valuable role in this, but I also see ways in which we look at a JPEG of justice and forget that we have to paint, frame, and defend it. As powerful a tool as social media can be, I'll remind you that it has existed for a small sliver of human history, and our ancestors accomplished a great deal in bygone worlds without it. They also failed to accomplish more. We need their courage and vision more than they needed our self-portraits of solidarity. And I'm not saying that what you've done and captured online isn't real. But it isn't real because it's online, and that belief binds those of us who are capable to good lighting, fast Wi-Fi, and quantitative reflections about our impact. If you're not comfortable doing the hard tasks without an audience, then it's time to look inward and think about intent. And in a modern culture kneeling at the altars of convenience and immediacy, I assure you that what we need to do is difficult, and what we'll have to do is long and patience-testing. And while you have every right to do what is easy and make your own life difficult, don't sit there and wonder why the lives of those suffering don't improve if you're only retweeting a hashtag or having a single conversation about race in the month of June. Perhaps in the land of acquisition and conspicuous consumption, we should expect sacrifice to be particularly uncomfortable. But growth does not require convenience. It requires sacrifice and voluntary hardship. I take no issue with solidarity, but I believe there are vast quantities of people who show it so they don't have to prove it, who speak briefly so they can avoid talking about it at length, because people like me have no idea what to say, but we've been informed of the dangers of silence. And in the process of fearing that silence, an emptiness that I agree can communicate painful disregard and insensitivity, I'm concerned that we say the minimum to avoid rebuke. We repeat what we've been told because we feel shame, but we do not learn what to say out of any interpersonal responsibility. And as repetition numbs speakers and audiences alike, I posit thinking and empathy. For any change to last, our society needs compassion and thought, not mindlessness. Learn to feel for others, and you will never have to use their words to describe your feelings. It's with that hope in language that I chose not to make a statement through this podcast because I'd rather be approached for an uncomfortable conversation about what I don't know than experience any nod of approval for claiming to grasp topics I've barely ever touched. That ill-informed history is the stronger commentary on my character and who I've been, and even that could be publicly misconstrued in a culture so convinced by the value of shame and guilt that we don't invite the worst in our society to do or be better. To me, these statements are frustrating and exhausting because anyone can, especially with today's technology, mute remarks, criticism, or conversations. But as much as you can look away from it, you can't mute action. You can confront it, you can renounce it 
but it stands there for your reaction and observation. And as we quickly exhaust the trust and sincerity others place in our words, I hope you reflect on how you'll communicate who and what you truly are and who you are capable of being. I see your steadfast pride asserting how great you currently are as the primary obstacle to your being better. And the same principle applies to our nation. To even our most basic American ideals of free speech, we're not the greatest country in the world because these protests are protected by our founding document. If we have any right to that audacious claim in a world of many nations, perhaps we could, at a bare minimum, listen to the overwhelming pain of those protesting. And even at that stage, if we can reasonably expect to care for one another, empathy should not be the end goal, because empathy without action is like soup without water. I'm reminded here of a popular utterance by a prominent conservative commentator that, quote, facts don't care about your feelings. I think his meaning is clear that facts, universal and concrete, stand above the realm of personal experience in its myriad emotions of varying depths. I'd point out that if inquiring minds didn't feel the impulse towards feeding their curiosity, we couldn't articulate the facts that define our world. But I'd also point out that facts cannot care. That responsibility falls to the living and the feeling. And I don't care if there's only a single data point of atrocity. I'm confident that the parent he is and the friends many of us claim to be would never introduce statistics to address the wounds of others. In no compassionate world would you ever calmly inform your existentially awoken child that, indeed, the Grim Reaper swings for us all eventually. Now go back to sleep. Because that's not how you meet pain. It's how you ask others to keep it away from your discomfort, typically within themselves. The tragedy there, of course, is that both sides have lost something profound. It may be cruelty that starts this bleak wheel spinning, but it's clear apathy, mesmerized by a flickering image that keeps hands away from the spokes. And here in America, we haven't sold our soul. We're figuring out a subscription plan for its container. If it weren't the height of irony, I might ask why you aren't more infuriated by the scale of your apathy. So you don't have to talk about it. That's your choice and your option. But don't ruin words and your own credibility by speaking hollow recitations. Or maybe explain to me what any relationship looks like when love is said and only briefly, if ever, shown. Because there's a vast difference between not being able to breathe and being denied the air to do so. And if this finds you displaying seeds you never intend to sow, or tending plants you never intend to water, I can only be stunned by your callous use of precious air and the limited way in which you see yourself and your own capacity for change. To George Floyd, Eric Garner, and likely others who were vocally, publicly robbed of breath when they needed it most, I'm sorry, present irony acknowledged, that so many of us thin the air with speech we do not mean, words we do not fully carry, and march proudly past the apathy we've temporarily discarded for empowering anger. You needed us to listen and act, and I hope that we will.